and welcome. Hello, my name is Lucia Ochen. Uh, I'm Mrs. Africa Club 2019, Play Your Part Ambassador at Brands South Africa. I'm also a social activist as well, social entrepreneur, and also a spokesperson for the Wind Foundation in Africa. So thank you so much for joining us today, Lucia. And um, I'm so honored to to be speaking to somebody with so many titles, but not just titles for the sake of titles, right? Titles yeah. that have meaning and um, just like just going through your background, you are extremely passionate about, mm. about gender equality, women and girls, you know, in terms of various aspects. So unpack that for us. Your philanthropy efforts are, are very well known across the, across the internet, shall we say? Oh, wow. So unpack for us, where does this passion come from? What are some of the philanthropy projects that you get involved in? But also, you know, give us context in terms of where we're at from a COVID-19 perspective, which has impacted the world. Okay. Uh First of all, I would like to say thank you for having me. Uh, with my philanthropy work, where it comes from, it comes from a young age with my upbringing, the way we, we were brought up as, as a family. You know, we're brought up in a, in a sense that we, we have to give. And also seeing uh, people around me lacking, it, it made me, you know, to start to push and also to work in, in giving. So that's where it started. And my father dying of cancer and not be able to access information about cancer and not to have access, you know, knowing that what is cancer and the stages of cancer. It made me to say, you know what, uh, the marginalized uh, are, are not having the information that they're supposed to be having. So we need to raise awareness. So that's where it actually started. And then slowly it built up to where I, I, I started to, to see other gaps within our, our social status where young girls, they lacked a sanitary way, they lacked uh, toiletries, women lacked so many things. That's when I started pushing for empowerment of women and girls, especially in the rural areas and being, um, a businesswoman myself, you know, in, in, an, in a small urban town. I've also realized that we have women in marginalized communities, rural communities that are doing, you know, create creative work, you know, small skills work, but, you know, they are taken advantage of as well because they don't have access to skill development. They don't have access to education. They don't know how to price. They don't know how to package. So why don't we bring these women together and see how can we assist them so that they can access markets than having a middle person that takes advantage of them. So that's where my passion started. Then I established the Lucia O Foundation, which I, I, I currently run since 2014, you know, where I empower women and girls and children and also the elderly. So I'm a person that sees a gap where empowerment is needed and, and I step in, in a, in a small nutshell, that's how I can put it. And so that is a lot, right? That's a lot that you do. That is a lot that you have been doing for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, let's take a different path very, very quickly. Tell us about Mrs. Africa Globe for two seconds. <laughs> sure. Okay. Mrs. Africa Globe, it's a women-owned organization, and it's all about empowerment of women, especially women that are affected by gender-based violence. So they have programs of empowerment where they empower women. And also it's a platform for women who want to see social change in communities. It's for women that are in business. It's for women that are in leadership. 
And it's not only meant for women that are married. So you can be a divorcee or a single mother. You can still enter Mrs. Africa Globe and become a change, change agent for the globe. That's in a nutshell, small, just like that. That's Mrs. Africa Globe. So what have been some of the, you know, some of the lessons that have been learned in the last, you said you started Lucha O um, in 2014, right? So that's just, yes. that's just like years. Sure. Tell, us, um, tell us about some of the, the, I don't know, you know, when I, when I think about it, I, I, I want to ask you so many questions about it. So let's okay. start with what has been some of the most heartbreaking stories or heartbreaking things that you have seen um sure. and and have experienced under under that you know or in the last couple of years what i have seen in the last couple of years uh working with government as well you know going to places especially in rural communities i've i've realized that there's part of south africa that none of us know of and I always saying this is the forgotten society of South Africa because no one thinks of them that they exist. If you get in the, into these rural areas, you realize that there's no proper infrastructure. You realize that people lack housing, people lack electricity, people lack, you know, access to health. When I say access to health, if someone is really, really sick, how long will it take for an ambulance to get to their homes because they lack roads, there's no proper roads. So that's what I've picked up. And I believe that our government have done their parts, you know, for the past 25 years, but it's not enough. You know, when you go to those rural communities, we, we are talking about, um, development in Africa. We are talking about smart cities. How can we have smart cities in Africa when we're still in the third world country where we, we lack infrastructure? Why don't we go into the rural communities and develop them first before we can even speak about better development for the urban areas? Because urban, urbanly, to be honest with you, we are okay. We have infrastructure, we have access. As we speak, when you talk about COVID, people that have more access at the moment, it's people with pro proper infrastructure, proper connection. But if you go to the rural area, a woman sitting in Tunda somewhere won't have that access, won't have time, sorry, won't have an opportunity to attend a virtual, a virtual meeting or a virtual talk that empowers women because they lack infrastructure. So if we can put proper infrastructure in place in rural areas before we talk about smart cities, I think we'll be moving somewhere. So for me, this is what I have seen and this is what I, I, I've, I've witnessed. And one that I've witnessed that really, really broke my heart is one school that I've visited in Bumalanga where I was, uh, you know, donating sanitary wear. That school, if you went to their bathrooms, I'm talking about sanitation now, you wouldn't even step in. The principal told me girls rather change their, their diapers outside, hide somewhere in the bush instead of going to the bathroom. If you go to the kitchen that you call the kitchen where they have to prepare their meals, I promise you, you won't eat. You, you want it because you are exposed to, to better things. You are exposed to proper hygiene. But what about hygiene? Yes, COVID is here. COVID is teaching us hygiene. It's teaching, it's teaching us to wash our hands. It's teaching us to have clean places. But how can you wash your hands when you don't have access to water? How can you have a clean place when you don't have proper sanitation? So for me, this is what I've picked up. This is what I've seen. Uh, and what I've realized as well is that government hasn't closed the gap between 
uh, themselves with the, with, with the royalties of Africa because Africa from ancient has been ruled by royalties. It was never government. For us, government, it's, it's, it's a thing that was introduced you know, to Africans, but they need to collaborate. They need to coexist because these two coexist together. If we talk about the, the 17 uh, development goals, goal number 17 talks about collaboration, fostering collaboration and working together. Why don't government foster collaboration with emakosi? We call them emakosi or kings and queens in communities because people, they belong to royalties. This is where people report their cases. When they are hungry, they knock into a royal family and report that there's no food, there's no school shoes. The chief that is there, they have to find ways of making sure that family, that family, you know, their needs are met. So government needs to start collaborating with royalties, private sector, and civil society, and see how we can move forward. They can, they cannot work in in silos and and take decisions. We're talking about decision makers here. Even our kings and queens and chiefs, they need to be part of that decision making. You know, to make sure that those people. They their needs are met because they deal with those people on daily basis. How do we do that though? You know, when you when you think about it, right? So we're dealing with so many issues mm -hmm. now in South Africa. Um, you and I are seeing news headlines on a daily basis with regard to corruption mm. and just a loss of humanity. Mm. Um, just a loss of. Um, it's almost like we have lost our feeling for our for our own people we, we you know and 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 people are are part of are part of our value chain so you are only as wealthy as your poorest person that is living That's in very your country. True. you know so the 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 point is is that we, what did we lose along the way how did we lose our humanity for the next person along the way but how do we now start to take that? Because we've lost it. Obviously, we've lost it. How do we now start to close that gap? And how do we now start to say, what is it that we have to do? Because I know that we sit very frustrated looking at news headlines, mm. and those mm. kind of things and get upset. As I sit here, as you sit here, we are both, mm. you know, upset <laughs> with what's happening in our environments. But That's how true. do we now step up? Because these people that have nothing, they literally only have the likes of, you know, organizations of civil society, organizations mm. like mm. yours that mm. will go through and help and assist because mm. right now we can't rely on, on the powers that be, shall we say. Mm. So what is it that we need to do as people, as, you know, whether it's in country, whether it's on the continent, um, mm. what should we be doing right now? You know, uh, Eva, I can say to you, um, prevention is always better than cure. If we go to the source and see where we have gone wrong as humanity, and as humans or humanity, you know, losing the sense of humanity and compassion, this is where we have gone wrong. We have we have we have we have uh, decided to politicize everything in life. We we everything that we do is politics. We haven't thought of you know, of the person that is sitting somewhere in Tunda that has nothing to do with politics, but their, their concern is survival. 
so how do we how do we cover those gaps how do we how we what solution will we have the solution is simple as i said to you collaboration we need to have genuine collaboration not lip service collaborations because we do see government calling um you know the private sector civil society or maybe let's say emma Kosi together or a traditional leadership in one room but what happens after that do we do we put everything in action we need to put whatever that we say in action we cannot be talking all the time and giving promises promises our promises need to be turned to action we need to see we need to see change we need to see societal changes in communities partnering is very important communicating is very important and also education we have our own constitution but if you can go to the rural areas and ask maybe a child that is in grade six or seven how well do they know their constitution how well do they know how much their constitution protects them it's education that we lack lack of education and lack of access to information lack of skills development that's where that's where the problem lies that's where if we can have more education i think uh, we'll be able to 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 move forward we'll be able to shape the South Africa that we have, we'll be able to shape the Africa that we have, we'll be able to shape the whole continent. Uh, I know you are working on the intra trade. How are we going to trade if I, I, I'm not skilled enough? How am I going to trade if I'm not educated enough? The, those are the challenges that we, we still have in Africa. Access to information, access to education, and also collaborative efforts, inclusion, the inclusion parts, the marginalized are not much included in our in our in our communities or in in how can in decision making. Uh, the rural women, the rural youth, we, we we tend to forget about them. We focus on the youth that is in urban areas that have access to information, access to to the internet. What about the rural women? What about the rural youth? What is it that we need to do to them? Infrastructure. It's time for government to sit down with the traditional leadership of this country or the African Union of the continent. They must be part of decision making because they are leaders in their own communities. If you go to a rural area before you knock to a home, they will ask you if have you been to Inkosi? Have you reported this matter to Inkosi? This is what you're going to introduce. So government needs to account. One thing that I always say that gov where, where is government accounting to? Government needs to be accounting to someone. And for me, this is the traditional leadership of this country. Government needs to be accounting to someone to say, where has it gone wrong? Because if you are not accounting to someone, corruption will keep on striving. This is a white elephant of Africa that we all know that we, we, we are facing. It's not only South Africa, it's all over Africa. If there's money, money just disappears. Nothing is being done. No infrastructure, no improvement, no empowerment and development. Unfortunately, this tends to affect more, more women than men because we have become single mothers. We have become, you know, uh, leaders in our own space where patriarchy does not exist. But we, str we struggle where patriarchy exists. So... I believe if we can collaborate better, 
will have bet a better future for Africa and the globe. So let's unpack the patriarchy bit. Um, yes. You know, we are living in times where I don't think UN women just celebrated just 10 years in July. Like it feels mm -hmm. like a lot longer, right? Yes. But, and I think that they catalyze, and this is just my personal opinion. Um, and I'm a I'm a fan girl. I'm a fan girl of UN women. I don't. Uh, I'm not a fan girl of rock stars. I'm a fan girl of UN women. Um, yeah. So I think that they have catalyzed movements of women never before seen in the history of humanity. Like we it's have time. never had this many women organizations, and and it's time. It, and it's good, right? It's good. I, it's I don't think we could ever have enough women organizations. Mm. But sometimes, and you and I both run women organizations or women-centered women-focused organizations. Mm. And sometimes I feel like, um, and I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes mm. I feel like we're running women organizations relative to the patriarchy. And, and hear me out when I say that, is that mm -hmm. we are still running our organizations according to patriarchal processes. Yeah. Yes, and because and it's, well. I'm not talking about inside running. I'm talking mm. about the things that we have to do in That's order to create awareness, get attention, mm. Um, mm. get funding, whatever it is that we have to mm. do in women organizations we actually almost have to understand and work with the patriarchy in order to drive a gender equality message. And for me, that is so, uh, it makes me heart sore. It just, it makes me heart sore. And it I is. understand we have to do it, right? But Yeah, we have to. We have yes, to because we, we coexist. At the end of the day, matri yeah. uh, uh, matriarchy and, and patriarchy do coexist. But if you look back into the African history, it was a matriarchal society. Women were the leaders. Women mm. were the ones that shaped their homes. Women were the ones that, that built actually their homes when men went hunting, looking for meat. So it doesn't mean that women cannot lead. If you look at royal statuses, it's the woman that is placed in power. And the, and, the, and, the, and the prince become the crown king. I mean, the crown prince that becomes a, a king. So it tells you that, you know, in the past, women did lead. So what's stopping us today from leading? What's stopping us today from coming up with ideas and solutions that will shape the continent, that will shape the globe? Unfortunately, a patriarch is the rule of the fathers. And it has to do with culture and religion. That's where it comes in as well. Culture also oppresses us. Because of culture, it's not easy for women to, to stand against to patriarchy. We say we are standing against patriarchy, but at the same time, we are following the patriarchal standard because of culture and religion. Culture and religion shaped us who we are. But we need to find solutions of shaping that without damaging our values as well because we still have values we still have to follow values without values i don't think we will be a better society mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. needs to be done for me i just feel that culture and patriarchy some of the cultural uh, decisions or cultural um measures that are put in place they oppresses women they oppress women in some cultures women they cannot speak 
women they cannot view their their how can I they have they don't have a voice in a in a, in a simple they don't have a voice. So if I'm sitting in a room where it's full of men and I'm supposed to speak up, you know, behind your your back you will remember that I'm a woman. Culturally, I'm not supposed to speak. Culturally, I'm not supposed to look at men in the eyes. This is the time where we have to teach our girls and boys as well, you know, how to treat each other. For me, I just feel that, yes, we want gender equality. Why don't we say we want human equality? Because if we can treat each other as, as humans, not gender per se, we'll be able to live. Now what we are saying is that we are dividing and discriminating to say this is female and this is male. You are stronger, you are weaker, but you need to coexist and you must work together. But if you can say, why don't you have humanity equality where all humans are equal, where all mm. humans, they have equal uh, opportunities. They have equal access to markets, you know, equal access to finance, to funding. That's how it should be. But now if we come with all these gender roles, it's, it's also um, killing men at the same time. When I say killing men, it also you know, affect men in a sense that they can, now they feel weaker. They feel that they don't have a role to play within our own society. They have, they have, they have no role to play within our economy because it's all about a girl child. It's all about uh, a woman. Young women, girl, child. What about a young boy? What about a young man? So for me, yes, we want gender equality, but let's have human equality. Oh, yeah.